Between You and Me, the podcast for fabulous but possibly frazzled women who want to take charge of their lives. Co-hosted by Galway journalist and NLP coach Maria McHale and Dublin journalist and the midlife coach Alana Kirk. Because let's face it, between you and me, we'd all love to be able to press pause once in a while. So welcome to another Between You and Me podcast. Um, this is a strange one. It's We're calling it the Stay at Home uh, podcast because I'm currently recording this in my living room in Dublin with the curtains closed on a sunny day, surrounded by cushions for the sound. And Maria, where are you? I'm in my bed. <laughs> I'm fully dressed for especially... You're for on your bed. I'm on my you're bed. I'm, uh, I'm sitting up on a load of cushions, again, with my curtains closed, because apparently that helps with podcasting. <laughs> so yeah, it's a bit of an unusual situation today. So uh, today's podcast is conversations in a time of, but not about the coronavirus. And yeah. um, we've actually just had a massive debate before we started recording about whether we make this about the coronavirus, make it a coronavirus-free episode, <laughs> um, how much we go into this, because I think we're all obviously in the midst of, of what well, it's a global thing. As, as the saying goes, we're all in it together, but we don't want to overdo it either. So what we're actually going to do then is tell you about our debate and why we decided um, to make it about being in the virus, but not specifically about our experiences per se. Yeah. And I think one of the big things is that we've both done this a bit. I'm having to limit completely my news intake. And um, I suppose my my um, interactions with the outside world, because it's all just so mad out there at the minute. And I think there's so many voices. Um, there's so much angst. There's so much anger in some places. You know, that's unfortunately the nature of social media. And there's so much um, different points of view that really the only way I'm kind of staying sane is to, you know, have a very limited diet of the people that I kind of enjoy who don't uh, cause me any angst. And um, and also just one news broadcast a day to make sure that I'm not just like binging on the bad news and getting all freaked out. So I've just literally have a little update in the evenings and I have kept myself strictly corona free as much as possible. Or as I was listening to a doctor speak the other day, so that he's advising all of his healthcare uh, colleagues to have a Novid day, which is a no <laughs> COVID day. <laughs> so once a week when they get their day off to have a Novid day. So yeah, so we're, we're, like, we're all in this. Everyone knows the situation. We're certainly not going to rehash any of that. And mm. when it comes to tips near the end of how to kind of maybe get yourself through this um, saner as well as safe. Uh, that's, that's sort of my motto these last few weeks. Stay safe, but also stay sane. Um, yeah. And the, so we'll definitely go through some things and, and certainly being really conscious of what you allow into your space is the biggest one. You know, don't be watching or listening to voices that are going to make you stress, but we'll, we'll get to that. So yeah. um, one of the things that we talked about there beforehand is our own personal I suppose, discomfort around, in my case anyway, there's the crisis that's very much happening out there and it absolutely comes into my home all the time because I'm very scared about my father. Um, I'm, you know, obviously homeschooling three children, 
all of that stuff. <clears throat> but actually, within the four walls of my house, it's quite calm. So I feel um, there's a there's a crisis out there, and there's a calm in here, and there's quite a disconnect sometimes. And along with that comes a lot of guilt, maybe because I've got a nice garden and I just feel so terrible for people who don't have access to to outdoors as fast as I do um, and all of and it's funny that I'm seeing that a lot with a lot of the coaching that I'm doing these yeah. very huge sways of emotion that are happening you know highs and lows and yeah. things in between I think that's one of the biggest things about this isn't it we're not it's not an even keel and we are like swinging from emotion to emotion sometimes within a minute, never mind every minute. It's like, I, I used to love thinking, you know, my, I spend my life swinging off the chandeliers. <laughs> That's not happening. I'm just swinging mood swings from eyes alone. Yeah. And I think I feel the same, you know, I've, I've, um, both my daughters, I just said again, before we started this, um, yesterday they canceled the junior search and both my girls are, uh, doing the junior search and um, I can't say there were tears in the house um, but I think you the know, text you sent me was we're celebrating with pizza we did have a <laughs> celebration and I was celebrating and I suppose one of the things I've tried to do with um, them uh, you know my daughters is to under help try and help them understand that sometimes life is a bit mental like I mean and I'm saying this as you know, someone who has never experienced this before myself, but that, you know, we just have to do the best we can. And so while the, we, we were doing the homeschooling in vertical commas, I, I wasn't doing homeschooling. I was just uh, hopefully, you know, <laughs> encouraging them to go and do some work. And they're, they're quite good in that they, you know, they had um, assignments from school that they had to have in every day. So they were doing that. Um, but, the, you know, sometimes the world just is a bit crazy and we didn't know if there was going to be a junior cert. So we just had to assume there was and now there isn't. Um, and so we had our pizza celebration. We were also saying, um, you know, there's still going to have to be work done because, you know, they still have to go to school when uh, for the next few weeks. Um, and it's just that whole kind of idea that we actually, I, I've I had to say to them, I don't have a clue what's going to happen. And I think that's really important that both that conversation, I think we're all having conversations with kids, but, uh, and we're having conversations with our parents. And yes, I think yeah. what, I, what I'm loving in many ways is the sort of how the older people, older people in inverted commas, because yeah. I'm 70 years old at all. And my father is completely outraged at the age of 83 that two sets of neighbours have come around to see if he's okay. <laughs> I mean, he's not really, he's, he's generally touched, but he's like, well, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, what I'm loving is initially when this started, sort of all of the teenagers eventually sort of have been actually very well behaved, apart from mm-hmm. the few that you've seen out. But I mean, yeah. I'm, my girls have been absolutely brilliant, all things considered. Of course, yeah. there's been dramas and of course there's mm-hmm. been tears, but all things considered, they're grand. Whereas... You know, the older people are the ones who are acting like rebellious teenagers. We're not staying in. We want to walk to the shops. <laughs> I'm coaching lots of women who are desperately trying to get their parents to behave. Yes. We want to I think in. that's really interesting because I would say the same. I, my girls were very compliant and I actually am, not that I'm surprised in the sense of, you know, they're, they're opinionated teenagers, but they just kind of accepted the situation as it was and that we had to stay in. And then, yeah, there's all these grown-ups, inverted commas, who are flouting the rules and driving to different places. I'm going, it's really an interesting role reversal how we can't be told or some of us can't be told what to do or some of us feel like we, those rules don't apply to us. I also um, love the generation who actually created the term teenager. You know, yeah. the, the term teenager was created in the 1950s. Yeah. And, and my, uh, they're the sort of, they're still going, yeah, we are not, we are rebels, you know. Um, but I think everyone is compliant. And I have to say, 
we certainly do not want to get into specific details about the virus or any of the lockdown details. No. That's, no. that's You can go other places for that. But I, the one thing I will say, because what we want to talk today is just really about staying sane as well as safe. That's the most yeah. important thing. That we want. And we want to talk a little bit about how we're doing that in this situation. But um, I, the one thing I will say is that I do feel, and I would not be a flag waver in, mm. normally, but I'm, I'm very proud. I'm very proud at the moment of this country. I'm very proud of how everyone has come together. I'm so proud of the humor. I'm proud of yes. everything from how quick RTE put together homeschooling to the responses to the first, to, to all of the people in shops and on the, on the postmen yeah. delivering and picking up posts for older people to the government. I just, I have to say that has hugely helped me. Yes. Feeling that I am in a really safe environment in that my country is looking after me and I'm part of a, something much bigger and better than just my own efforts. Yeah, and I would agree with that. And actually, one of my ways of coping really has been to find all the good stories and the funny stories. And I've really, you know, if I have been news hunting, um, being a journalist, you know, it's hard to ditch that habit. But, um, you know, I've looked for the feel good stories and there's been so many, like even shops, I mean, where I am locally in Galway, you know, the GAA club has been working with the shop at the supermarket to deliver to anyone who can't get out or old people who are cocooning. And it's just all these lovely little things of people pulling together, which is what makes it a really kind of special time as well. So in my mind, I hope one of the things we keep after this is the community connections and those kind of feel good uh, kind of things that we did, which brought us together. And I suppose that's the, the good bits of this crisis, you know. I went down the shops the other day with my uh, daughter because she decided, and this is sort of a life-changing moment for me, completely mm-hmm. separate to this uh, situation we're all in, is that my middle daughter decided to make dinner the other night. Excuse me, what? I know. I'm mother to three daughters <laughs> and uh, the, this this urge bypassed the older one. But the middle <laughs> one decided she was going to make dinner and so we walked to, to the shop to pick up some stuff and on the way back I know that there was an elderly um, neighbour who lives alone and I said, look, we'll stop and chat at a distance because she was painting her front. All the older people are out in the front gardens trying to do the garden just to talk to people who are walking past. Yes. And I think it's so important to stop and talk to them and, you know, and I think even teaching, Poppy's not in school at the moment but she's now learning how to engage with different parts of her community in a very yeah. strange way and we're going to go into this in a little minute but I do because we've talked before we've done and this podcast will probably cover quite a lot of some of the stuff we've already talked about like sitting with discomfort like um anxiety sleep all of that stuff but um I think it's really important that we and gratitude obviously while obviously we're all dealing with lots of stress and anxiety at the moment and worry and our things are very different and there's a sort of macro level and then our own micro level and I think that's we're going to talk very much Mm. about your only focus can be your micro level you can't focus too much on the big picture I also think we've got to really look at all the positives as well the community the humor is one and I just think actually while our kids are obviously in a very difficult position and as parents and um, as older and also as carers of our parents, we are trying to protect them from a lot of the bad stuff. Mm. Actually them seeing how people step up 
is an incredible lesson. Like my, you just mentioned the GAA, you know, my, my 10 year old is still getting GAA training on a Monday night via Zoom. Zoom. Oh. And they're all doing training every day. They've got little videos. My, one of my daughters is still getting her music lessons via Zoom. The schools have been incredible. Um, different things that are, we're seeing. And I think that's really important for young people to see how when the chips are down, you step up to the plate and you adapt and adapt and adapt yeah. and adapt and adapt. And I think it's brilliant. And I think one of the things, you know, I hate the term snowflake, but a lot of the time, you know, when we're talk, when that disparaging term is used, it's used to kind of, uh, you know, bash people about their lack of resilience or their softness or something. But I think, you know, the, the, I, what's been interesting is just being able to show examples of that exact thing that when things go wrong, um, we don't all go feral and the whole place doesn't collapse around us. Rallying around the whole nature of humanity connection uh, has been so special. And I, I've, again, I, I mean, I am sickeningly, sickeningly able to look to the good now because I have trained myself to do that. But, you know, I've just found that such strength in that in yeah. the way everyone is pulled together. Um, there's so, you know, for all the complaining that people are doing around the place, which I've really avoided, you know, the good things are so good. Yeah. And um, amazing companies that are adapting very, very quickly, all their product lines, and they're making stuff for the, for the, for the health service. And, and, and I just saw something yesterday, a friend of mine's son, they have a 3D printer. So he's yes. making three full cover masks a day. And then on his friends on a bike, but motorbike, and he delivers it to the hospital and these yeah. are young people very you know yeah. and I just love all the ingenuity and the initiative and one of my favorite programs at the moment on uh, TV RTE my little guilty pleasure is uh, the big life fix oh and yeah where RTE are sending out designers into real life situations so a woman with motor neuron disease is losing her voice so they created something very specific to her a young man lost his leg in an accident so they created something that he could get around different things and we're now seeing that on a sort of massive yeah. scale. Uh, and even within our own homes, I think we're all adapting. And the other day, you know, we didn't have a set, an ingredient. And I'm not going to the shops unless I absolutely have to. Yes. Unless I have sort of enough things to get. Yeah. So suddenly we're adapting, you know, completely habitual ways of making a, um, a dish. We'll just have to figure something else out. Yeah. Making things or, and it's, I think that's a really powerful aspect as well. I think so. And I, I suppose I'm just trying um, to just model the kind of thing of we just have to go with the flow, which has probably been one of the hardest things um, for most people in this um, situation. And um, I know that uh, a lot of my feelings that have come up for me have been around the way I was during the recession and how things have changed so much for me because I would have had the absolute biggest meltdown in the recession in terms of uh, anxiety and um, just massive stress because, uh, you know, of course it was legit stress because um, my publishing company was very being, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and it was the first time in my life that I realized that I couldn't control something. Um, whereas this time I'm in a very different place mentally where I don't even bother trying to control anything. I'm just getting up every day and seeing what's happening that day and doing that day to the best I can and moving on. And I think that's actually a beautiful segue. We would think we really planned that. We actually hadn't. Uh, into actually what we're, you know, how people are coping. Because yes. we're both coaches, right? And we're both talking to a lot of people at the moment. And we're also dealing with our own. And I'm really... 
I'm having this wonderful experiment with myself at the moment because I'm I've learned now and I'm sure you're the same to observe your thoughts yes you know one of the things we've talked about in this podcast before and that we sort of have tried to do when you're coaching is to understand that our thoughts and feelings aren't necessarily us that you can separate yourself that I've said this before you know you know you were the sky your thoughts and feelings are the clouds they come and go um and so I've been observing myself and how I'm reacting to things and, and that piece of, of what we can control or if we end up down a rabbit hole of news that we're getting. And we, you, you can feel your body getting anxious, yet we don't stop it. Like you're actually physically hurting yourself as well as mentally hurting yourself, but yeah. we're kind of compelled to do it. And just a little example was last weekend um, because I'd worked so hard during the week. Um, and also I think we need to really understand that we're all dealing with a level of anxiety anxiety that mm. is just not present normally and our future is uncertain we have no control over a lot of things in our lives so whether or not we're actively showing that anxiety I think it is showing up in our a lot of people are saying to me they're very, very tired even though they're actually probably doing less at home and all that kind yeah. of stuff there's a huge tiredness thing going huge on tiredness so last Sunday I made the decision because I know how to treat myself well and we're going to get to that as the tips at the end to take the day off and I sat in the garden it was quite nice and I'm very lucky to have my garden um, and I read a book and as I was reading my book, I could listen to my conversation going on in my own head. And there was the one part of my head going, you really deserve, this is important. It's all about mindfulness, all about, you know, nourishing mm-hmm. yourself and being good. And this is important. And, and then the other voice was going, oh my God, how can you be sitting in the garden reading a book? It's a beautiful day and there's people on the front line and, and, and people are working. This is a crisis and you should be and everyone's doing DIY and why aren't you doing DIY and the house is a mess and you should and should and should and should. And I just sat back while I read my book and listened to these conversations going on in my head and realizing that actually those conversations would happen anyway. So I might as well be sitting in the garden reading my book. And yes. actually getting some <laughs> nourishment. Um, but I think a lot of people are going to be having absolutely very conflicting thoughts and feelings a lot of the time because we're just not in our normal way of living. And how do we cope yeah. with that, Maria? Yeah, well, God, I just, I, I, that thing of observing, you know, I think I, I used a Pima Shoda quote which when I back in the recession I read all her books and if anyone is going I think they're actually called something like living through difficult times that I can't remember the exact no, title well, I read was which got me through when my marriage ended and my mum died all in the space of a year and it's it's literally called what to do when your world falls apart You're yes like, yeah I think that's it and she yeah. she's a Buddhist monk and her thing is yeah you were the sky and everything else is just the weather yes. and I read so much of her stuff trying to understand because I, I actually didn't understand uh, what was going on. I knew that I couldn't control anything. I was desperately trying to control it. I It was like a white knuckle ride of me clinging on to the life that I had built, but which was falling apart. And I could not control it. So I had massive anxiety and it was horrific. And I mean, of course, it's brought me to this place now where I'm able to sit here and be relatively calm in all of this because I'm just going with the flow in that. And I suppose that's probably one of my biggest uh, lessons in life that I've learned and that I try to teach other people. The minute we try and control anything at any point in our lives, um, it's an absolutely one-way road to disaster really because we can't, we can't, there's so many variables. And, you know, even planning, you know, there's people who, you know, they work really hard, 
they get they're focused on this end point and they get to that end point and maybe they get ill or something happens or someone dies or something. You can't plan for any of these things. And I suppose that's partly where I have trained, again, I've trained myself and it is work. I think all of this is, we have to acknowledge that it takes work. It's not like you just decide yeah. uh, one day, oh, I'm not going to be anxious. And I'm just going to go with the flow because the next day you're going to wake up and be an absolute lunatic and do all the wrong things and not follow the pattern you had decreed the day before and berate yourself and it becomes a disaster and it's, it's stressful, you know. So if you acknowledge that it's going to take some work and it's not going to happen immediately, um, if you can learn to just go with the flow. So my method of coping um, these last few weeks, and I've actually been quite busy with work. So I've had, I've also always worked from home, mostly apart from going to Dublin for meetings or whatever, um, or going out for meetings. Um, so I'm used, to, I've worked from home since my kids were small. So I'm, I didn't have that adjustment to make. So that was one of my first kind of uh, benefits, I suppose. But secondly, I've just been quite busy. So I've just had to carry on my working day. But what I've done is kept a routine. And I've also just that going with the flow. And when I say going with the flow, I mean literally only dealing with and acknowledging things that I can deal with inside of myself. So like, like I was saying with my daughters, we don't know what's going to happen. So every day I've just got up and I haven't had an expectation of what might happen. Like if there was a day I was feeling particularly tired, I would be easier on myself that day and maybe do a bit less work. But when you're saying go in the flow, what you're not saying is you're not planning your day or the things that you want to do. Because I think that's a distinction that it took me a little while <clears throat> to yes. terms with. So we're not saying don't plan your day and have... Yeah, you need routine. And, and routine yeah. and drive and purpose. But it is about not allowing your life to be dominated by external factors that you have. Absolutely. No and I think this is the bit that's hard for people because people think going with the flow that you're some kind of like loopy hippie head on you. You know, you know you're not bothered what's happening or what's going to go on in the world you know and I'm saying I'm saying that's actually not what it is <laughs> it's more of you still do your routine you still have things that you do in your day um but what you're doing is you are acknowledging that at any given moment things might not go the way you planned them and that that's okay um, it's also on any given moment, you might not feel great or you might feel a bit different or in the mood for something different and that that's okay, that you can just say, well, actually, I'm feeling absolutely wrecked now. So I'm going to have a half day from work or I'm not. And that's the thing that I've dealt with quite a lot with the clients recently. Certainly not, not so much now. I think we're getting into slightly getting more um, used to this, if that's the right word. But okay. certainly at the beginning, people suddenly thought, oh, I've got to work at exactly the same capacity that I did when I was in the office. On top of that, I also have to work at the same capacity as a parent. Plus, I'm also now possibly homeschooling. Plus, I've now got the anxiety. But I have got to do everything at exactly the same pace. Oh my God, no. no. So going the flow means, so the biggest thing that we, and we've talked about this so much in the podcast, but it's so relevant now is the only thing, the only piece you're ever going to find is that if, is when you work within that circle of which you have control. Yeah. We now can't control the virus, whether or not we're going to get it. Well, actually we, we can do a lot in terms of whether or not we get it and yeah. going places that you don't need to go to is one of those things. The only thing that we can control really is our thoughts what we expose ourselves to in terms of um, input, in terms of news or, or who we sh share information with. Do you hang out with a drama queen who's reading every single piece of news and texting you? I've blocked quite a few people silently because I don't want their drama coming into my day. So I've decided that 
here's what I want to try and achieve today. If by lunchtime, I know I'm not going to achieve that because actually something else has happened that's taken over. And I talk about this a lot. It's about triaging your thoughts. Mm -hmm. You have to triage your thoughts, but you also triage your day. So you might say to yourself, right, well, today I'd like to achieve X, Y, and Z. But by lunchtime, you might have to reassess and go, actually, B has just come in through the door. So I now have to deal with B and I'm going to have to drop a Z and put Z in tomorrow. So it's about constantly, instead of going, oh my God, I've decided I was going to do X, Y, Z, but B has come through the door and I've no control over B, but I have to, you have to reassess and reevaluate and triage constantly. What has to happen right now? What can be put off for, for a little bit and what can be put off in the longer term? And that piece of control, the only real things we can control are our thoughts, our actions, what we allow into our sphere. So if we allow loads of negativity, loads of drama, loads of bad news, loads of stuff, it's funny, I was just saying to you, on the whole, I'm keeping myself away from a lot of news and white noise, and it's actually lovely. So I kind of overdosed at the beginning, like a lot of people did, and now I only read the Irish Times, I watch the Irish, I watch sort of the RT news at either six or nine, um, and I read a couple of other uh, things that, that I kind of trust. Everything else I don't look at. I don't want to know. Yeah. And I've, I, as I say, removed myself from a couple of WhatsApp groups where loads of headlines and dramas and things were coming out. Mm. No interest. Because I have a choice. I have a choice as to what I lie into my sphere. And if I read something and it's starting to cause me anxiety and quite physically, that's yeah. not good for me. No. I have a choice. And I think that's, that's my control. Thing. My control isn't the story. It's whether yeah. I allow that into my life. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest thing with me, you know, when I look at myself now and and what I was like before, and and obviously a lot of those feelings and thoughts and memories have come up for me, you know, particularly when I've been coaching business owners or working with them where a lot of them have had, you know, their business wiped out overnight. And, you know, I could feel all those, acknowledge that, oh, I just know exactly what this feels like. I have been there and, you know, that awful kind of literally tightness in your throat and your chest from just pure anxiety and stress because you're desperately trying to gather yourself um, to save something, but you can't actually save it, but you can't, you know, the denial that actually you have to let it go is very, very hard. And so, you know, again, this this way of living where you go with the flow, um, you know, you're like, I'm still up. I'm rut- I've got my routine. Um, one of my ways that I always talk about to people, and I even though I'm sitting in my bed, I has still have my um, my shoes on and my trainers. And one of my things when I'm working from home, this is something that's really important to me is, you know, when I get up in the morning and I'm going to start work, I put on my shoes or my trainers, go to my office, do my work. And then when I'm finished work, whenever that is, I take off my trainers and put on my slippers. And that to me is signaling subconsciously and to me personally, you know, the day is over now. Put on my fluffy slippers, work is done. And so all these little things that you can do for yourself help you kind of frame your day. And if you kind of have all those, so you have your lunch, you have, you know, make time. You might not be able to meet a friend, but you can make time to have a video chat with a friend. Oh my God, I'm nearly more social now than I was before. And it's all really intense because it's all done being done by video. Yeah. And I just think we need to, it's kind of like survival. 
Yeah. We're, we're, we're literally, what does it take? And that's what I mean about I'm not homeschooling my girls. I mean, I'm, I'm helping them. I'm supporting them. I'm feeding them. Yeah. Um, they're, I'm checking that they're, they have what they need to do their work, but this is a mad time. I'm not a teacher. I, I never would have homeschooled them. So I'm doing the best I can with them and whatever it takes to make our day the best day we can have. And that uh, that's what I'm doing. Values. What's what, what are you setting your day at the beginning of the day? What's your greatest value? Is it achieving 10 things or at the end of the day, we'll all be in a fairly good peace of mind. And I think then you're like, so again, when I say homeschooling, what I mean is I'm building a structure into the day that allows them to have specific access time to schooling and their teachers have been great. I'm not certainly teaching them. I would be hard pushed at this point to teach them anything, <laughs> but, um, but it's the routine. And, and just in terms of getting into sort of tips of, of how we do this and certainly what I've been doing a lot with, with, with some clients is the first thing really is recognizing that this is really hard. Yeah. But I think one of the things that we're desperately bad at is taking a moment to go, gee, this is hard. You know, single parenting is hard. Being, a, being out in the front line is hard. Being at home is hard. Yeah. And um, so just acknowledging that this is hard and different and that you may not be expected to work at the same level as you. And I say work, I mean, generally, that goes everything from housework to food production to <laughs> actual work to schooling your children. At the end of the day, the most important thing you're going to do for your child that day is give them a hug. It's not yeah. going to be whether they understand algebra. So recognizing that this is hard for them, allowing them their moods and their downtimes and everything else, and you have yours. The second most important thing, and you said it there, was creating distinct times. Um, and it's not necessarily a color-coded regimented routine, no. which I would have been guilty of in my previous perfectionist years. <laughs> but as a recovering perfectionist, what I mean by that is get up, get dressed, get showered, have yeah. a routine Monday to Friday, you know, the, all the days are bleeding into each other. My dad, God love him, he's 83, he's living on his own up in Belfast at the moment. He texts me yesterday, he says, why does every day now feel like a wet Sunday? Oh, and it's really hard because it yes. is. But build distinct times into your day. So this is a time that I'm going to try and work. This is a time that's family. So I'm going to congregate everybody together mm. for the meals, even though with two teenagers, they couldn't care less and they'd like yeah. to spend their entire day under their duvet. That's fine. Yeah. They're going to have some exercise time. But the two most important times of that day are alone time and rest time. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, um, we all self-isolate from each other for two hours every afternoon because we need to. Um, mm -hmm. And it's really important to sit. Yesterday I sat on the sofa and we watched um, funny animal videos with my daughter because that made us laugh. That is yeah. far more important than me monitoring is the BCG vaccine actually going to do any good for the, you know, for <laughs> exactly. it's not going to make any difference to me. Yeah. So distinct times are super, super important, especially when we're wearing several hats at the moment. Like I, I have a kitchen tape seat at my table and that's normally where I work when the kids aren't here. Mm. There's also now where the homeschool is in the inverted commas. Yes. It's also where we eat our dinner. So I'm now sitting in that seat wearing so many of my hats. <laughs> yes. I'm often coaching at that table. And it's really weird to think that that seat is seeing so many parts of me at the same time yeah. as our lives are merged. So distinguish your times throughout the day. Yeah. It's really important. And I think that also makes the day, you know, shorter yeah. in a way, because if you have this kind of, you know, we've all done that where, you know, if you have this kind of aimless day where you don't, now I have to say, 
it's not something that I'm that keen on, but I did it on Sunday, um, which was the, um, you know, literally stay in my pajamas all day, which is the only time I did it in the whole month we've had. And I was a bit like by the end going, okay, I've done this now. I don't think I'll do it again for another year maybe, but it's just because it's just not me. But that thing of being able to have uh, the time, give yourself a break. We are all tired um, and just being mindful, which we, I think we have talked in other podcasts as well, of just what we what we can do to help ourselves. Yeah. How can we make our days better? And for me, one of my things is living in the moment. You know, these these what tools do we have that we can bring to our lives that just make these days bearable, enjoyable, even? And, and like you're saying about laughter, one of my big things, and I've written it in my diary is to watch comedy every single day. Something funny, something that makes me giggle, makes me laugh, because that's so important. And it's so easy to forget it in all this madness, you know. And that was my sort of final tip. So the first one was recognize it's hard. The second is create distinct times. We've talked before about triage, because I think that's the most important thing. Mm. Don't try and do everything. And regularly triage your day. Suddenly go, oh, actually, do you know what? What's more important than this hour? This conference call or a game of Monopoly? Actually, yeah. maybe the given monopoly. You just don't know. And all of the things that would have been our, our, our values driven us before may not be the same at the moment. We may have to, and that's quite nice. So my third and final piece was slow everything down. We will never get this chance again, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. um, slow everything down. In, you know, um, take the time to read the book. Yeah, there was three days there. I... Uh, I didn't wash my hair. I didn't have a shower. I'm going to admit it. Um, it was over the weekend. I wasn't seeing anybody, obviously. And mm. you know what? I needed that too. I needed No one could smell you, Alana. So oh, perfect all around. <laughs> Funny thing was then on Tuesday, I actually got up and had a shower because I was having a face-to-face coaching <laughs> session online. And then I, so I went through to my client and, and she kept cancelling the video and she said, look, do you mind if we just do it on, on the phone? And I was laughing to myself going, feck it. I bloody got up and got showered. She obviously hasn't. <laughs> she doesn't want to be on video. Yes. <laughs> and that's in her pajamas. Yeah. We, this is the time. I, I spent the first two weeks just going, I should, I should, I should, I should, I should. And you know, as coaches, we know that's the worst word in the English language. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't do anything if you don't want to do it. Um, well, obviously, apart from stay home. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't mean that kind of should. But you know, we tell ourselves we should be busy and we should be this. Do you know what? Sometimes the best thing we can do is sit down and how often do we say we'd love a bit of time in our lives to ourselves yeah. to sit down and read a book. This is that time. And put the kids in front of a movie because you know what? They're not going to die from overexposure to the Disney Plus channel right now. No. We'll get through this time. Let them watch the telly. Let them play their games. My kids are house partying until they're out blue in the face. Let them. Let yeah. them. And my finding this really hard too. Yeah. And I think my little tip and the, the, to, to end this all is just one of the ways I've, I've said to myself that, you know, this is a time we'll never have again, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, you know, it's in my whole kind of 48 years, I've never had to stay in. I've never had, you know, like technically I say life in danger sounds dramatic, but that, that we could get this thing, which could, we don't know how it's going to affect us. It's been, it's been a really weird. So what I've done is I've just said to myself, I'm going to savor this. Yes. Like mindfulness, you know, I'm going to savor every day this is going on, whatever it is, I'm just going to savor it. So in the morning when I get up and some days I might feel, I have felt like that a lot of my 
clients and my friends have felt this tiredness just because I think it's overwhelming. Sometimes you wake up and you're absolutely wrecked. And I've said to myself, I'm just going to go make a cup of coffee, look out the window, window savor this moment, savor this day, whatever. And it, it might leaving. not be the I'm whole day. On train and that yeah. time will come back soon enough. Yeah. And, and we'll be back to that frantic school yeah. run and soccer training and all that stuff. So I have um, just said to myself, I'm going to savor whatever this is at any given moment. So if it's listening to birds, which a lot of people, you know, we're kind of discovering the simple yeah. things in life. It's nice. I, I'm choosing that kind of attitude and yeah. it might only be one bit in a day, but I'm going, this is yeah. a good day, you know? So I think it's a so good, nice plan. Because there's so many wonderful things happening around us, which is yeah. just that little reminder in the trees and the plants and the blossoms in the garden that life is going on. Yeah. This is a, a human experience right now that we're going through. Uh, the world is continuing to turn and in many ways we're giving the the air breather mm. because so and you're reading all these stories about Venice and how there's dolphins coming back into uh, coming into some of the canals and stuff because yes. the water is so clean. So, and that's not to dismiss the absolute horror that a lot of those people are going through in terms of loss of their livelihoods and everything mm. else. But I think you're exactly right. Cause my last point was we're all wearing lots of hats at the moment and we're wearing them at the same time. We're at home working with possibly children, possibly looking after parent, all that kind of stuff, the most important hat to wear is your own. Yes. And savour um, exactly the things that you can. Like the other day, my daughter came down and she's a teenager. So she's, you know, just really the worst thing that could ever possibly have happened to her was not being able to see her friends and being locked up with her mother. I mean, frankly, it was just <laughs> the worst thing. Um, and so she came down at lunchtime and we were just sitting outside and we were, she actually managed to have a few conversations with somebody else in the house. It was one of her sisters. And later on, I went up and said, look, would you come down and watch some TV with me, with us? And she said, you know what? I think you actually had more than your fair share of me today. I think <laughs> I did very well today. And I laughed. I thought, no, actually she did. And I'm relishing this time with her at home. Yes. Uh, because it, it will never happen again like this. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, you know, that we can find joy in even the smallest moments, you know, those little glimmers of things. Because I'm the same, you know, uh, when I'm at my desk and, you know, they it's lunchtime and we all congregate to have lunch or chat or and sometimes it's the odd you know very monosyllabic conversation and other times it's like full-on discussions about everything and you know it's just again just taking those moments as they come and just thinking this is the only time we'll probably ever be in this moment so let's just have it and enjoy it absolutely that's not to disrespect anybody who's going through real grief and loss at the moment uh, because these are very difficult times but even, you know, as I know myself from my own, you know, uh, periods of grief in life, we will find times to, to you know, go through that grief and, and remember the person that we've loved. But in all of this, the only way that we are going to survive sane as well as safe is to just focus our energies on the moment that we're in and that the things that we can control, which is our own thoughts and our own actions, most other things are out of our control and uh, we aren't going to do ourselves any favor by spending all of our energies out there in that space. Come mm -hmm. back to where you are, your thoughts, your actions. That's all you can control right now. And between you and me, we will, all of us, get through this time. 
and come out the other side. Yeah. And I think just finding your friends and sticking with um, things that bring you joy, bring you happiness, bring you comfort um, will be what kind of gets us all through this. Yeah. So keep safe. Please keep sane. Stay home. Wash your hands. Keep a social distance. <laughs> yeah. Let's, connections. let's make sure we don't burden all those uh, frontline workers that many of us, you know, are fa- have family members who are working on the front line. And I suppose that's for me. Um, I'm staying home so that they don't have extra work to do in this time. So <laughs> have a wonderful, um, well, it's April now. Yeah. It's like, we'll see you at the end. The next podcast, who knows where we'll be? We shall see. Well, we actually know now. We'll know that our next podcast will also be broadcast from our bedrooms. Oh. So, uh, <laughs> uh, but we may not make a corona. Uh, <laughs> we may make a corona intolerant. So uh, stay safe, stay sane, and we'll see you next time. Bye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.